All right, well, this is a little bit different, right? How about this stage uh, and this uh, setup? Makes it seem a little official up here. Uh, but we're going to have fun this morning. I'm excited to be able to sit up here with these, these men who have uh, dedicated their time on their Saturday morning to come up here and speak about just how God is using them in their respective areas, uh, in their workplaces, and even, uh, as we'll talk about, uh, the retirement life and uh, quote-unquote retirement life, which we'll speak about in a second. But uh, yeah, I, I think this, where we look at true success, obviously being able to speak about it, uh, Pastor Mike had an opportunity to set us up uh, with this uh, series uh, this this year with true success and what it means, true success, and what are some of the obstacles and hurdles that we are all facing as men uh, in today's society and the challenges. And then remember last time uh, when I was up here, we spoke about just the spiritual warfare and the battlefield that we're all in. And if we don't realize that and we don't prepare ourselves, we don't armor ourselves up, then we can easily be uh, defeated in our own uh, unique battle that God has uh, placed us in or battlefield that he's placed us in. So we want to be able to prepare ourselves. And uh, why I'm excited this morning is to have these six uh, godly men up here, all uh, friends of mine that I, I know uh, just through ministry over the years, uh, but I know very well that God has placed them uniquely in their workplace, and they, they have a specific sphere of influence that many of you have that's different from mine, different from the person that you're sitting with at the table. And this is a great opportunity for us just to be able to hear from godly men on how they're preparing themselves for true success. And if you ask any of these men up here, they'd be quick to say, look, this isn't the way to do it. Of course, this is how, where God has placed them in their unique circumstances, and this is how God is, uh, through the Spirit, leading them and guiding them and giving them wisdom to uh, glorify him the most in their particular workplace. And so as you hear this, as you hear some of the things that they will share, I want you to, one, we'll be able to glean a lot from it. Uh, but then, two, just understand that your dynamic might not be apples to apples exactly the same as theirs, but there's a ton of information and a ton of just wisdom that, Lord willing, you'll be able to glean from this as you take back to your specific workplace, your specific people that God has placed around you, uh, and look to uh, glorify him to the, the best of your ability within uh, your sphere of influence. And here's the thing that I want all of us to take away as we think about this, this time that we're going to spend up here discussing. And it's going to be much like a small group discussion. I have questions for them, but uh, most of the talking is going to come from them once I finally stop talking. Um, but that... <laughs> hey, you, you remember the excommunication comment Doug made? <laughs> Bill Yachty. It's lucky I love him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want us to just take from this holistically that there is an approach, there is intentionality, that there, there is planning, there is uh, strategy, there is a lot of prayer that needs to go into every day that you go into your workplace, every day that you step foot outside of your door. It's not just aimlessly just saying, all right, I'm going to go out and it's going to fall in my lap. A gospel conversation is just going to land, or I'm just going to be able to disciple someone. What, no, we, got to, we have to be able to pray for that. We have to be able to see. We have to have sensitivity to be able to go out and glorify Christ, because again, the world, our flesh is not typically going to lean towards that way. And so a lot of what they're going to be talking about today is the preparation for that and then how it actually looks within the workplace. So let me, uh, let me start off with some introductions and I'll let the guys introduce themselves with, uh, if you don't know them, just their name, 
um, you know, a little bit about them, and we'll go from my left and end on my right. So, uh, Keith, we'll start with you. I know you're a known commodity. This is your domain more than mine, probably, uh, but introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, my name is Keith Hancock, and um, I was born and raised here in Southern California. I was born in Inglewood and then grew up in Long Beach, uh, where I spent most of my childhood. Uh, moved to Orange County, where I went to Chapman University uh, in college and uh, lived there for a few years. But um, right after college, I started uh, leading worship at churches as well as teaching at, um, at Tesoro High School, where I still am. Um, I'm going into my 22nd year teaching at Tesoro in the Capistrano Unified School District. And uh, previous to Compass, I've also, uh, I led worship at churches for about 10 years. And my, um, I also have a part-time role here at Compass as the music director. So I assist Joseph in a, a number of different musical responsibilities here at church, working with the band and um, working in some of the sub-ministries, leading worship and uh, leading worship on occasion here in main service. And uh, we've been here at Compass for about 11 or 12 years now. So I uh, married uh, my wife, Carly, and I got uh, two boys, Joel, who's here, and Chase. Excellent. All right, Frank. Good morning. My name's Frank Ciotti. Um, I was born in southwestern Pennsylvania, and uh, my father was a coal miner, and I gave my life to Christ when I was 15 years old, and today I do want to testify that for 63 years, God has been faithful in every phase of my life. In 1964, I transferred from the University of Pittsburgh to UCLA. I met my wife at church. We were married two years later. We've been married for 57 years. We have, uh, thank you. We have two children, five grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. And uh, since I haven't gone to the office or a job since October of 2008, I guess I'm considered retired. Uh, my involvement with Compass, uh, Monday night, my wife and I, we, we attend our missions prayer group. Uh, Tuesday morning, or Tuesday night, we host a home fellowship group at our home. Wednesday morning, between seven or eight, I, I have a conference uh, Zoom call with our pastor in Guatemala. Uh, we spend an hour to two hours discussing the operations of the church. I also am responsible for the financial reporting and planning between the Guatemala church and, uh, and Compass. Thursday, we started to attend the Laguna Woods Bible study and trying to support what's going on there. You know, Friday morning is men's. Sunday morning early, we, we go to um, ABF prayer, prayer meeting and then ABF and on to the 11 o'clock service. And it just starts again the next week. Awesome. Thanks, Frank. Mike Schmazian. Hi, my name is Mike Schmazian, and uh, I've been coming here for a since we've gotten this building. So it feels kind of nice, you know, part of this church this long. Um, I was born in New York, but uh, immediately moved here as a little kid, so I'm really not from New York. Um, I'm holding it wrong. Might be going out. Go for it. So, um, 
moved here when I was younger, and uh, just as a kid, and um, lived in Orange County, LA, Buena Park, Orange County my whole life, and uh, just kind of was raised in this area, and um, got married here, been married for 29 years, almost 30 years now, so that's been a miracle for, you know, the Lord's been good there for me. Now I got two. It's <laughs> um, my page. So uh, I'm an owner of a, a small company, a small manufacturing company, and um, it's in Lake Forest, and we do work for companies around the world. So we're in the manufacturing industry, so we're, we're working with all the big manufacturers. We've got a lot of exposure to big projects around the world. We do work with Asia, Europe, here locally, and uh, it's been amazing the path that God's allowed me to go all those years. Um, I got saved when I was about 28 years old, and so I lived like a really worldly life, just as a victim of the world, and, and started, I started my company when I was 19, and uh, it, I just kind of lived that life, and uh, thank God the Lord got me then, and I've uh, never needed to look back. It's been a, it's been a blessing to be, to be with him and his people. And um, I serve in men's Bible study. I'm a co-leader with Brent, and I'm also, my wife and I co-lead an HFG together, and I've learned that by serving in those types of groups, I've grown probably more than the groups that we're with, and it, God's used that to grow me as well in those groups. Thanks. Excellent. So on my left, we got Keith, high school teacher, Frank, retired but busy, and then Mike, our CEO. Now to my right-hand side, we've got Mr. Bill Hume. Uh, my name is, is that loud enough? Yeah, there we go. I'm, uh, my name is Bill Hume, uh, born and raised in South Orange County, so I'm a South Orange County kid. Uh, married to my beautiful wife for the last 15 years, Kira, and we have two boys, uh, Jace and Luke, uh, 11 and 9 years old. Um, if the mustache didn't give away, I work in law enforcement. Uh, I've been in law enforcement for the last 17 years now, um, and I work as a detective uh, in a beach city down here in, uh, in uh, Orange County. Um, I was saved in a season of my life about uh, 11, 12 years ago where uh, God brought me pretty low. It was after a, uh, a shooting at work, uh, medical diagnoses with uh, both of my boys. Um, so, yeah, I was... Uh, one of the stories that you hear where someone gets brought down to their knees, um, that was me. Uh, but thank God for it. It's been, a, uh, it's been such a blessing to know Christ in my life and to be sitting up here. It's very humbling as well. Um, I serve as a men's Bible study leader and on gatekeepers here on the weekend. My name is uh, Steve Noblock. I was uh, born uh, the eighth of ten children. We lived on a small farm in Indiana. Uh, then I was raised through my high school years in Maryland. We came to California when my dad was in the mining business. And uh, I got saved when I, first I made a public profession for Christ when I was about 18 years old. But it was when I was around 27 years old, I really realized what repentance was. Not just knowing about Christ, but actually repenting and living for him. So about uh, at age around 27, 28 when I came to know Christ. Uh, I'm uh, married, uh, my wife Twyla and I have uh, six children, 11 grandchildren, and <clears throat> Uh, Twyla's love for me literally takes her breath away. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, I'm very honored to be, to be married to her. I've served in CBC uh, for a long time. I, I've worked in, worked in the, uh, the, the fix-it ministry. The, I've been an usher. 
Uh, we worked in the, I, I went through partners and have taken a lot of people through partners. About 17, 18 years ago, I started the jail ministry here at church. We have currently seven, seven men. We do 26 one-hour services a month in the Orange County jail system. We uh, minister to about 1,200 uh, inmates per year in the Orange County jail system. And uh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Good morning. Am I on? Yeah. So my name is Jim Studebaker. Um, I'm like these, most of these guys, a Southern California native, grew up in North Orange County, been married uh, almost 30 years, 30 years next year, three kids, uh, all adults, 21 through 27, one grandchild. Um, I work for Costco. I'm in retail management. I'm general manager. I'm in my 37th year with the company. Um, started pushing carts in 1987, kind of uh, been through the trenches, and um, I run the Hawthorne location, so I drive to LAX basically every day. Um, I got saved at 30, so I've been with the company for 10 years, um, and kind of like Shmay said, I was, uh, you know, for those 30 years, I was, it was all about me, and, um, you know, for those first 10 years of my company, it was kind of make it, make, you know, the, the phrase was make it up and happen, and, and that's what we did. Um, so huge transition when the Lord um, finally got a hold of me and I got saved. Um, I was in middle management back then, but... Um, you know, it's been quite a ride. Um, I serve here at the church. We've done a variety of, I mean, I've been working for my company longer than I've been a Christian, but since I've been a Christian, I've always served um, in some capacity here at the church. Currently, I've been my, started my third year with True North, um, and I love that. My, my wife and I both serve together. Uh, my wife works here at the church. She's on Rick Talcott's team. I'm over at finance, um, but uh, we love it, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Great. So these are the guys that we have up here, uh, just so you get a little uh, background on them. But let me throw it around a few questions. Uh, I'll kick it back to this end. Keith, let me start with you. Uh, and I know uh, all of you guys can answer this question, but Keith, I'll start with you to, to, to kick it off. But what challenges do you face being a Christian, being a high school teacher? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, the public school system obviously um, can be a pretty dark place at times. Uh, most of the Students that I come across are, are not Christians, uh, even a lot of ones that say they are, um, really don't see a lot of fruit in their lives, and, um, you know, just uh, everything that you can kind of expect would, uh, I mean, you've all been in high school before, you know what the, uh, the temptations are at the high school level and kind of what the attitudes of many of our students are like. Um, it can be really, really challenging um, to kind of be, you know, immersed in that. And then as a Christian, um, you know, and as a teacher, a person of authority, um, I just have to be, you know, with, with my job, I feel like is kind of always on the line. People are always kind of watching me. People know I'm a Christian. And so um, there are students, certainly, and maybe other teachers that might be looking for an opportunity uh, to, um, to take something that I said and, uh, and take it out of context or maybe use it, um, you know, in some ways to, to bring down the name of Christ. Um, and even my job could be potentially on the line for that. So um, I just have to be careful in, in the way that I speak, you know, knowing that even nowadays where phones are, are prevalent and, um, you know, anything that when you, if you get recorded saying something the wrong way, it can be used to shame you for the rest of your career or even lead to job loss. So just being really, uh, I guess, you got to be kind of on your toes at all times and, and careful. Um, but also not letting that, um, 
you know, t take away from my ministry opportunity. I feel like my job uh, as a high school teacher, and specifically teaching choir, I mean, um, I'm around these students a lot, and we have a great tight-knit community at Tesoro, um, and a lot of opportunity for relationship building. Most teachers only get to have their students for a semester or a year, but I get to have many of my students for four years. So that's an opportunity to, uh, to, to really build some great relationships there. Um, but yeah, certainly um, just being, being watchful um, in, a, in a really, really dark place um, and, uh, you know, where, where Christ is, is, is not honored uh, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, can be challenging. And just making sure that that's not bringing me down, that I stay grounded in, in my faith and everything that I do. And I got a lot of support. We got some great other teachers that we meet with regularly as, in, a, in a Bible study to give me a little bit of that, that extra confidence and, and motivation throughout the week. Yeah, that's great. And I love what you said about, you know, the, the people that you work with, they know you're a Christian. And so a lot of your actions and your words without even getting into deep gospel conversation, which ultimately that's what we would love to get into. But a lot of what many of you deal with uh, at your workplace, people know hopefully that you're a Christian and they just watch you. And so your words and your actions and your deeds and all of those things uh, will glorify Christ without you even saying a word. Uh, and having that responsibility to know that 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 is that's a that's a, a high a high calling and a high task and a high just position that you have at your job to know that you need to be on at all times uh, because you're being watched uh, as well. So uh, that's great. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Keith. Uh, Bill, let me kick it over to you as well because obviously in the police force there can be a lot of opinions from the world on, on that, and so there can be challenges that you face uh, without even, you know, wanting to face them or needing to just by your profession alone. So how do you uh, prepare yourself, and how do you deal with those challenges? Uh, yeah, so uh, law enforcement is a very uh, male-dominated profession. Obviously, there's a lot of masculinity going into work. Uh, you know, so one of the biggest things I struggle with, um, at least as a Christian man going into work, is uh, fitting in, right? So the opinions of the other men around you, you know, being part of the good old boys club. Um, but I typically always go back to Galatians 1.10, and it's, am I, trying to be, am I trying to serve God or am I trying to serve man at the end of the day when I go to work? Um, do I really care about the opinion of the men around me? No, I'm trying to serve God um, at the end of the day. Um, you know, and I've come to realize as a challenge of that too is when you go to work, it's it, you can't be half in, half out. Can't be one foot in, one foot out. Um, it's you have to be all in, like our last men's study that we just went through. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, like I said, especially in my profession with you know the masculinity and trying to fit in, and then you know getting labeled as as a Christian, and which I'm proud to have that label. If you ask anybody at my work, like yeah, he's a Christian man. Uh, but it's going in all day, both feet in the door every single day saying, yeah, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm proud to be a Christian, and I'm not, I don't care about the opinions of other men. I go in and I'm trying to serve God first and foremost when I go into work. Good. Same question for you, yeah. Steve, let me kick it over to you. Uh, obviously being in politics down in San Clemente, the city councilman, uh, what are some of the challenges that you uniquely have to face in your uh, particular workplace? Well, the, the challenges are, are, are one of the, the Christian worldview. You know, we, we have a value system, and it, the world doesn't share that value system. And as the uh, council member, I'm currently serving as mayor pro tem this year, and uh, issues come up that, that involve moral issues. And uh, 
Uh, I have, I've had the opportunity to, to share my opinion and using scripture when doing it. Uh, we had a Second Amendment resolution. It was a policy issue. And I uh, did a letter to the editors quoting three or four scriptures. And, and the blowback was, was incredible. Negative uh, people, you know, how, you, how dare you mention your Christian faith in, in a political setting? Stop doing that. You're terrible. And, uh, you know, you just have to be firm. Earlier this year, I did a resolution, uh, a sanctuary of life resolution for the city of San Clemente. We had three conservatives, three pro-life uh, members of the city council. And when I brought this up, two of them caved. And the Democrats came out by the hundreds with signs, uh, let's defeat no block. Uh, it was letters to the editor, how dare you do this? Uh, but you know, the problem with, with the abortion issue, and I, uh, you know, there isn't a family in America that ha doesn't have a, a, a niece, a cousin, a sister, a, a female relative of some sort that hasn't been through the abortion process. It's hard to find a family that hasn't been touched by it. And the issue isn't just politically to oppose abortion, but to remind people that there's forgiveness in Jesus when you have done the wrong thing. And uh, I, I recently, back during the last election, I was asked to speak at, a, at a, one of these smaller municipal pro-Trump rallies, and I mentioned the, the forgiveness issue. And uh, as not just, it's, we're against it, but, but it, it's, not in, it's not a good thing in God's eyes, and you can be forgiven. And a, a woman in her 50s, uh, who I didn't know, came over afterwards and threw her arms around me and with tears in her eyes, uh, gave me a big hug and said, thank you for, for reminding us of that. So, so the opposition is real. It, I didn't mention, I also I'm, I'm an attorney when I introduced myself. In my law practice, it's also been a major challenge. Uh, years ago when I started practicing, I'd do one or two divorces you know, every month or every other month, not very many. And I realized that God hates divorce, and I'm doing divorces for people, not because they had a biblical reason for divorce, but because they simply didn't get along. And that was consistently the reason. And I said to myself, God, what am I doing? I'm not robbing the bank, but I'm driving the getaway car in something that you don't like. And, and I, I made a commitment to God not to do it. And to show you how strong my faith was, the next day, I had two divorce cases came in. And I handled both of them. And I realized, I'm being, this is a, Satan is shadow boxing me with, with temptation. And I made a commitment, I'm not going to be shadow boxed, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And I shared that story with a group of Christian lawyers in the Los Angeles Legal Society meeting in a high-rise downtown Los Angeles. I shared that story, and one lawyer put his hands in his face and said, you've ruined me, uh, just by telling that story. So uh, it, it's, 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 it's difficult, but you have to stand up to it. I had people call me the... The, one of the richest men in the county, the largest donor to the Republican Party, called me and said, Steve, what are you doing with the sanctuary thing? I had several mayors from several large cities that are, that are friends. I know them, and they called me, Steve, don't, don't do this. Uh, you know, it's going to rile up the left. And I said, you know, we talk about being pro-life. We talk about being conservative Christians. And when are we going to stand up and do it? We don't back down just because the opposition uh, is against us. So it, it's, a, it's an issue. Um, in all, of our, in all of our lives and careers, we need to take a stand for Christ, not to be embarrassed and not to be ashamed. So that's my message. Amen. Amen. That's great. And a couple of things I want to highlight that you just even brought out there is the power of Scripture. Right? Because when we bring God's word, God's authoritative word, his inerrant word into the conversation, then it, it becomes less about their opinion versus our opinion. But it's, what, what does God's word say? And that's, at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? And that's what we can hang our hat on. That's where God will do his work through his 
written word uh, that's there. And what you just ended with is, yeah, there comes a time where we can't just, and I mentioned that phrase, and I'll use it again, just we can't just talk about it, but we got to be about it, um, is the same things that we're preaching and we're talking about that we should do and that the world should do. We have to be the ones to go out there and stand firm on that and be willing to say, come what may, uh, but this is God's word and I have an audience of one is something that you have mentioned. I have an audience of one. It doesn't matter what my friends say. It doesn't matter what my coworkers say. Hey, I might lose my job, but I want to please God before all else. And that needs to be at the front and center of, of everything that we do and um, how we prepare ourselves. And speaking of prepare yourself, Jim, I want to come down to you with this question is when you think about preparing yourselves for whatever's coming in your workplace, obviously being in the retail environment, you can look at the targets and all these other places that are having these partnerships um, with want to be Satanists and, and, and all these things. That's just, it's evil, right? Um, Knowing that, hey, it could enter Costco one day. How do you how do you prepare yourself um, to go in to stand firm in your faith in just the, the the position that you have at Costco? How do you prepare yourself? Well, I mean, I think the easy button is pray, right? I mean, to say that, but uh, you know, that's the reality of it on a daily basis. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I've been doing this for. You know, I'm in my 37th year with the company, and I've seen a lot of transition. You know, and Costco is a large publicly traded company, right? We've got a board of directors. We're gonna, you know, we need to make sure that we, you know, we 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 we, we play the game, right? So I, I'm in there. I hear the executives talk. Um, I know I've got 430 employees that I'm responsible for in my building, um, and you know, DEI, you know, everything that's relevant in in socially right now in our culture is relevant in what we're doing as a company. But for me, as an individual, and first as a Christian, um, you know, first of all, I'm not a people pleaser, but I'm going to do my job. I mean, I'm hired by the company. I clip on a name badge every day, just like my team does. And uh, um, so I've got to find balance there. You know, I, 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 this morning's DBR, you know, I, I loved it. It was, it was perfect when I was reading this morning. Job 38, you know, 3 and 4, you address, address for action like a man. I will question you and I'll make you known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Right. Tell me if you have understanding, you know, God, understanding God, you know, kind of going at, at Job there. And so when I'm struggling with, um, you know, maybe what I'm faced with uh, on behind the doors from a, a, on a company level or even in the trenches with the team, I have to remember that God's in control. Right. And um, so my drive to, to L.A. is is DBR. It's it's the it's the briefing. It's whatever I can do to help get my mind in the right set on a, on a daily basis. Um, and then over the course of the day, I see five to 7,000 members a day come through my building. Um, and uh, believe me, being in South LA area, I got people running out the side doors stealing from us on a daily basis too. So maintaining composure, it's perspective, all right? And I, my perspective is um, I've got to do what I can to redeem what's going on for the Lord. Everybody that I work with knows that I'm, I'm a believer. Um, if the doors open a little bit about what I do um, on, on the weekend, what I do with my time. When I, when I play in golf tournaments, I'm the one guy that's not drinking in my cart. Um, uh, it's because I'm, I'm very conscientious of my witness. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very conscientious of my witness, and I'm not going to do anything to, to sully that in front of coworkers, um, you know, the, the, my, my team that I'm responsible for up in Hawthorne. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's really my mindset. I mean, give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I try to think like Paul and build bridges of dialogue, 
you know, in challenging situations rather than letting my emotions get the best of me, right? Because when my emotions get involved, that's where I, I tend to want to lose composure, you know, and get into the flesh. So take a cerebral stance, you know, even with things I don't, I don't necessarily agree with. Just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean that I don't need a dialogue about it. Just because I don't agree with it and it goes against who I am as a believer doesn't mean that I, I can't, I, you know, sit in a room um, like Christ did with the sinners, right, with the tax collectors, but be able to talk about, you know, what's going on. And from a business perspective, I may have to support things on a, in a business perspective, but doesn't mean that I have to say that I agree with it, right? And that's, that's kind of that, that balance that, that I have, that, that fine line of walking. But the, when you consistently do it, it becomes easier. So it's just kind of who I am. I don't, I don't, I, you know, this, that first question of having challenges of you face being a Christian, you know, I've been doing it long enough now. It's just, it's, it's, it is my identity. And um, I've been in Hawthorne only for three months there, but I think probably the vast majority of that building already knows who I am just based on how I carry myself and the conversations that I have with the employees. Yeah, and the, uh, the number of people that you get to interface with is, um, is a great opportunity to glorify God. I mean, you think about thousands of people coming in and out your door, thousands of souls that need to hear Christ. They need to hear about salvation. They need to hear that they need a Savior. It doesn't mean you're going to have interactions with all thousand of them, but those are thousand souls that God has placed in front of you that you get to in some way, shape, or form through, you know, how you do your job, how you lead your employees, how you interact with uh, the, the guests. All of those things is uh, another step towards being able to be a great witness and a lampstand in, uh, in your workplace. Uh, so that's great. Uh, Mike, what about you? You're running a company. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that you have to deal with. How do you prepare yourself uh, just specifically for your job and your role running a company? Um, I think uh, just like Jim said earlier, it's, it's constant prayer. It's morning prayer. It's waking up, thanking God for what he's given us, understanding God's sovereignty, that he sees all, that he's in control of these things. When I remind myself of that every morning, it helps me to go into the workplace. When you're the owner and the, the operating chief operating officer and, and you're the one that's making all the calls, it's easy to forget certain things. And um, being in constant prayer throughout the day, constantly reminding myself of who God is, is what helps me a lot and not having to step outside the lines. And I've been in business for 37 years as well. It's funny, when Jim was talking about his career, it mimics mine. I started the company in 87. He started there in 87. We've been married the same amount of time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there. And when you've been doing something that long and you've made enough mistakes where you regret what you did that day, you go back to God and, you know, you, you ask for forgiveness, but you also kind of keep that in front of you. Um, I want to go back one question if I can, because Steve brought up something. When, Steve, when you, when you ruined that lawyer's life... That, that one? I want to talk about that for a sec because one of the things we didn't discuss in that was money. And the challenges we face sometimes are money-based challenges. And as a, as a guy that gets to make all the calls in the company, I get to sign the tax returns. I get to make the call on what's a write-off and what isn't. I get to make the call on, you know, one signature of mine could save me $300,000 if I just sign my name to something or if I skew one fact. And when you're in that arena, that challenge we face, um, you know, I had a hard time with that when I became a Christian because I was using money like I was addicted to it. And I was doing cash jobs under the table and 
cheating in all kinds of great ways. There's no agents out there, are there? Because I'm past that time period. I want to be clear about that. I'm, I'm cool, right? All right. But there was a lot of things I was doing, and one of my hardest things to overcome as a Christian was getting my taxes and my accounting right with God. And that was a struggle for me. And so I know that when I sit in business forums and I meet with other business owners and CEOs, and you do that a lot, and you own a company, you sit with a lot of folks like that, I can't use 80% of the advice that I get from any of those groups or people. And sometimes they're great advice to save money, but they're not 100% legal. And we're limited. Our challenge is that we're limited as Christians in what advice we can use. So I'd say 15 to 20% of it is useful in my life. So in the past, when I would speak in front of men's groups or I'd speak in front of bigger groups, I would talk about being honest with your taxes. And a lot of times I'm speaking in front of businessmen's groups. And I recall um, one of the times when a guy came up to me three years later, four years later, and told me that I ruined his life. And I ruined his financial life. And he hugged me, which was odd because I was upset. But he told me ever since that talk he heard three, four years before, it convicted him so much. And, and I want to bring that up because when you guys have the ability to talk to anybody, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a group of 10 people or 100, the things you're saying, if they're biblically based, they're going to stick. And God's going to use that to bother somebody as long as it takes for them to make that change in their life. And when I see that man today, 20 years later, he still jokes about that and he still brings it up and he had a lot of money. And guys with a lot of money like to make a lot more money. But he said his taxes are legal now and it's cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years, but he's so glad. And so those are challenges we do. We've got to overcome them. It's still tempting. Um, you surround yourself with good, honest people. Um, I've been fortunate to have Christians in my company, which I didn't go out to hire Christians. God just either turned them into Christians or brought Christians to my company. And that's also good to have accountability around you when you're at the workplace, to have somebody there that's another believer, that you know they could see what you're doing and you know that they're there with you. And it just helps to gird you a little better. As far as being prepared, it's, it's back to that prayer. For me, it's a lot of prayer to be able to defeat the temptations we hit every day. Yeah, that's good. And it just reminds me of what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 7. It's just thinking about the seeds that we're planting, right? Our job is not to provide the growth. We plant seeds and we water seeds and God provides the growth in, in his timing, right? And so you may have to give someone the truth or you have to give someone the truth. I shouldn't say it as option. You give someone the truth, but you're not in control of how they respond, whether it be negative, whether it be positive, but God can use that seed again that was planted and completely change someone's lives. And so realizing that uh, all of us as men, being around other people in, in your workplace, you have the ability to do that. You may not tell them what they want to hear, but when we root it in God's word and his, his truth, then God can grow that seed later on. And you just never know what us standing firm on God's word can do uh, in, in the lives of someone that's right in front of you every day. Uh, Frank, what about you? When you think about... Uh, thinking about challenges that you face, because obviously I, I loosely use that phrase retired. You're not retired. You're probably busier than the majority of us in, in this room, but that, that's, a, that's a temptation, right? When you've spent your entire life working and, and, and you know, pouring, pouring out blood, sweat, and tears with your job, then you get in retirement. It's like, all right, hands off. I want to relax. I want to enjoy time for me. Uh, how do you battle that temptation of wanting to relax 
instead of saying, hey, I want to go full throttle for God's glory because I got more time on my hands to do that. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, first, Mike, I, I wasn't, one of my first jobs was an IRS field agent. <laughs> Busted. No, just... <laughs> you know, I was only kidding about all that, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was, God divinely set them next to each other. I, he has some humor. You know, good. The challenges are different, but there's always challenges in life where, where whatever phase, you know, I, I listened to the gentlemen up here, my brothers, and when I was in the workplace, it was quite different. We didn't have the kinds of cultural issues and difficulties. I, I remember that I was financial officer of a company and I would lead our lunch meetings. I, we, before we'd eat, we'd pray. Now, things are, you know, a little bit different. Uh, there was a, a Jewish lady that told me, she said, she didn't object to it. She says, but, you know, with Jews, we pray after the meal and give thanks. Uh, so it's, it's quite different. Uh, in the morning, I walk from the bedroom to my office. Uh, but maintaining your spiritual uh, priorities will be there whatever phase of life that you're in. And uh, so in preparation, I, I've been through three back surgeries. I've been through two open heart surgeries. So in the morning, I have to do stretches. And so I do those. But I listen to gospel music to prepare my heart. Then I try to take some time, too, to uh, have personal prayer and uh, have a cup of coffee and try to do some scripture me me memorization. You can also serve in your home, too. And I like serving my wife. I bring her coffee in bed. I bring her breakfast in bed. She served me for so many years. It's my time to, to serve her. So there will always be a challenge in priorities of time. And maybe I can talk a little bit later about retirement years and involvement, but the challenges will be there. They're quite different for, for my brothers up here going to work every day or running a company. They were different when I was doing it, and I'm grateful for the phase of life that I'm in right now. Great. I want to throw this question out. Uh, any, any of you guys can feel free to answer it, but we talked about, Jim, you're driving all the way to L.A. Uh, Mike, you're running a company. Bill, you're, you know, police officer, so you all have your schedules, you all have your demands. Um, there can be that temptation to put in the extra hours for, you know, additional whatever, resources, money, all of those things, uh, status. But how do you keep that balance, I'll use that word, um, from allowing that to be all-consuming to where you don't have time to serve to be involved in the church? Because all of you are highly committed participants involved in the church. You all have extremely busy schedules in your workplace. How do you make sure to, to keep work from being all-consuming to where it doesn't, it doesn't take over what's needed here at the church for you? I think you got to have uh, people in your life that can, can see you and speak into your life and challenge you in different ways. And... Um, you know, it could be a really refining thing to be married. <laughs> and uh, my wife is, you know, she'll call me out on, on stuff 
when, when I'm spending too much, because I got a job that I could literally spend 24 hours a day finding music and, and researching and, and doing everything that I do. Um, plus, that's just a tesoro. I still got my work here and my serving here and being with my kids and hanging out with my family. Um, my wife, you know, and I have an open relationship and we reevaluate pretty much every single year. What am I saying yes to? And I end up saying no more than I ever have now. I think as the years have gone on, I've said no to more and more and more things, and that's okay, and that's the way it needs to be in order to maintain some kind of balance and of priority in your life. You can't say yes to every opportunity, even if it's a lucrative opportunity, if it's something that's going to help out your family in the long term financially. Uh, there's a lot of things you just have to say no to to preserve because that, that, you know, that priority um, is people are watching that, not just my wife, I mean, my, my kids are watching me, my students are watching me, how am I prioritizing my life with them? And I end up getting a lot of comments from my students that will say that they were paying attention to how much, like, even how much time I'm spending with, with them, because I think they, uh, a lot of my students have families where their parents don't spend a lot of time with them. And, and I, I want to be an example of someone that's invested at home and that has that kind of life balance set up. So having people in your life, um, especially your spouse um, or close friends or accountability partners that can kind of look at your schedule and be like, hey, you need to make some changes here. I'd say um, just intentionality more than anything. Um, you know, I like to play golf. There's things I like to do, but those are, the, those are way down the line. You know, I know I've got to go to work. You know, I, I mean, I might be the boss, but I'm still going to work five days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, so serving a true north, there's a, it's not just Wednesdays and Sundays. There's things going on all the time. You know, so it's just looking at that. That's the sacrifice that I'm willing to make. And, you know, so I look at the calendar. I know when revivals are going to be. I know when, you know, certain events are going to be. And that's my, my, my time is shifted to that. So, you know, if I've got to take, you know, vacation time, personal time, or just days off in order to, um, to make that happen, you know, uh, I might only play golf eight times a year. That's okay. Um, because I know I'm using those, that, that other personal time that I have um, for things that are much more uh, profitable for the kingdom and for the ministry that I serve in and for myself. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of that work-life integration is. I know I'm gonna I'm driving 500 miles a week to go to work, and working 10-hour days. But um, every moment I have down here um, is pretty scheduled, and uh, um, but it, it's done for the right reasons. I think I think a, a lot of times this kind of thing could creep into your life very slowly, and you don't see it happening. I know from a small. Uh, event that happened in my life in the 2008 financial collapse we had, um, we almost lost the whole company. I was losing the whole thing. And it was going bankrupt fast, and um, we laid off 100 employees, and it was just a, a nightmare for us. And I used to serve at the churches I was at pretty heavily, and um, youth ministry and other areas. And um, it had gotten to a point where I was trying to save the company through 2008 to 2010, I was working around the clock. I had stopped serving at, at this church. I had just started here, I think, at the time, coming here, and, and I wasn't serving anywhere. I wasn't doing anything for God anymore. I was just working. And um, one of the kids from my high school ministry from my previous church called me to say hi, and we talked, and 
I got to go to his wedding, and he said something to me before the wedding. He said, I always remember something you told me, and it's going to stick with me, and I'm going to carry it the rest of my life. He said, never get too busy to be serving God and to be home with your family for dinner. Don't ever get too busy. I guess I used to tell people that. And here I am. I didn't even have dinner with my family for like six months or a year at that point. I didn't even know what that was. I'd get home late, and I wasn't normal. And I remember I was trying to save the company, and it was going down. And when he said that to me, that sparked me to stop and think. I said, what have I done, Lord? I don't even serve you anymore. I'm not putting you first. I'm putting money first and this business first that, you, that you're technically in charge of. You're the one keeping the business alive. It's a perspective. You lose perspective slowly. And um, I remember I came to church, and I went to the back there, and I, I mentioned to somebody, I think it was Jess Williams, hey, I want to serve anywhere you need me. I want to start serving. And I didn't hear anything back for weeks and weeks, and then I got a call from Jess hey, we're doing a big men's conference. It's K1 racing. We're going to do this and that. I think you'd be great for games. I'm like, games? So put me in charge of games. I got Rob with me. I got a lot of guys together. We put a team together, and we did that, and I started serving. Pretty soon, he's got me leading a Bible study group, and pretty soon before I know it, I'm serving here with a new fervor, and God is fixing my company. So all those efforts I put in for three years or four years didn't do anything. It was when I took my hands off the company, and I started serving. God fixed the company, kind of like he says he will, but we lose perspective sometimes. And I wanted to make sure, you know, I bring that up because that could be happening in a lot of other areas. It might not be a business in your case. It might be something else. So God's in control. He fixes those things, and uh, that's one of the ways I, I have to remember that, what he did then, so I never let that happen again. You know, the guys know me. I get here kind of late for Bible study. I'm rushing from work. By the way, I'm listening to your sermon in the car. You keep saying that. It's true. (laughs) Thanks to Gus back there getting it live for me. I get to hear it all. But I I do work till the very last minute. I do jump, but I'm not going to ever miss Bible study for work. That's my goal. I never want to miss it for work again. I don't want to miss HFG for frivolous reasons and use work. Because you know, the perspective, again, is putting water in your hand and watching it. It doesn't stay, and that's how money is. And once you remember that visual picture, you can't pursue something that's going to be gone in 30 seconds. And money's gone too quick. you got to serve the eternal things. Yeah, great. Let me throw this question out, and this uh, will require a little vulnerability, but uh, talk to us guys about a, a time... Uh, where you felt like you fell short uh, glorifying Christ in, in your workplace and, and what you learned from that, what God taught you from that. I'll go. Uh, yeah, so I thought about this question. It's kind of humbling. It's in front of a bunch of men talking about the mistakes that you've made. But uh, falling short, uh, I look back on times where I've engaged in uh, slanderous conversations with other men at the workplace. We all know how that goes. You sit down, guys start talking, you engage in that conversation. Um, And looking back, you know, first and foremost, I'm a representative of Christ, everything, especially if you go to work and people go, yeah, you know what, Bill, he's a Christian, he's a Christian man, and you go and you engage in those conversations. I look back on those and I just go shame on myself forever doing that. Um, the things that come out of our mouth should glorify Christ first and foremost. And I'd say second to that, um, when I thought about that uh, question as well, would be um, uh, writing people off at work, sharing the gospel. 
um, you know, not looking at people as the image of God, that Imago Dei, just saying, you know what, that person doesn't need to hear the gospel. I, I can continue on with someone else that actually wants to hear it. Um, and I think we should use every opportunity that we can to share that message with other people that are around us, people that want to listen and have the ears that are open to listen to that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this happened 50 years ago, so it had an impact on me. I was working for a CPA firm then, and we went out to lunch with a bunch of guys, and they all ordered drinks, and I didn't. And they start, hey, Ciotti, you're Italian. Italians drink wine. And I, uh, once in a while, hey, let us order some wine for you. So they did, and I took a drink, and as soon as I took a drink of the wine, you know, Ciotti, you're really just like us. And I said to my mind, you know, I don't like alcohol. I'm not going to drink alcohol, but it taught me a lesson. Anytime you compromise your witness, it doesn't go well. And so we have to guard against compromise in our faith and our belief. And it taught me a lesson. We learn more from sometimes our failures than our successes. One of the lessons I've learned is, is to deal with pride. You know, any of us, if we have a position of authority or responsibility, we can be puffed up in pride. And I was on the council, city council, 15 years ago. And uh, when I first got on, I was kind of prideful. I had been involved in local government for 40 years, and I, I figured I knew how to do everything, and everyone involved on the city council to listen to me and do exactly what I said. And they didn't do it. And, uh, and it really bothered me. I was angry, and I was upset and, and, and tense. And a pastor uh, from a local church in San Clemente uh, was chatting with me, said, you know, it's a, it reminded me what I already knew, but it reminded me that it's, that it's a spiritual battle that we go through every day and that when we deal with uh, pride and self-pride, it, it, it's really a horrendous sin and that we need to be humble before the Lord, not proud, not built up. And uh, fast forward 20 years, I'm now on the council and I've got two sort of left-wing anti-God following uh, people on, the, on our council and, and I've, I've realized that, that the scripture says that Daniel 4, that the kingdom of men is in the hand of the Almighty, and he gives it to whoever he wants, even the humblest of men. And I don't have to be in charge all the time because God's in charge. God is sovereign. He rules. And we just need to do the right thing and humble ourselves before him like several of the men have said up here. And, and God takes care of business. And, uh, and I've, I've kind of learned that lesson, and it took me a while to learn it. Uh, I thought I knew it. I, you know, I, I knew the verses. I could quote them. But in my heart of hearts, I still had to wrestle with pride. God had to teach me to humble myself, uh, even when I'm outvoted, and to let God take charge of all business. Just be loyal to him. Great. Yeah, I had, it's probably been about 15 years since I really lost my composure. Um, it fell short, you know, in the, in the, in the workplace. But, um, you know, what I, what I learned from that, you know, I, I used uh, coarse language, Right, we're in a church. Coarse language to uh, as, a, as an adjective, right, of a situation. It was a train wreck, basically, and I and I got ticked off because I was just getting a bunch of excuses, same excuses from a couple of people that were on my team, and uh, you know, the and the irony of it is, is one of them re and one of them reported it to my vice president, um, and the VP comes in and pulls me out of my office, pulls me out of a staff meeting, and proceeds to tell me, you know, you know, you know, James, I'm James at work. You're gonna bleep this, you know, bleep, 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 because you said this, and I'm like, whoa, you know, it, it, the irony of it is how he was talking to me, right? And uh, I said, listen, I said, 
I immediately apologized. I said, I used a word, and I immediately apologized. And I told the two guys, the manager that worked for me, I said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use language like that. Um, you know, because Steve, Steve just reminded me, because humility is, is something. And from a leadership standpoint, we still got to be humble, right? And, and we've got to be transparent, right? Jesus was humble. Jesus was transparent, right? And Jesus is the model for us, right, in, le in, in leadership. Uh, but I remember just thinking to myself, you know, I, I'm apologizing. I, I'm, I, like I said earlier, I'm very conscientious of my witness before the Lord. Um, but uh, leadership doesn't have to be aggressive, right? I can still make my point, um, you know, in, in a cerebral and in a serious manner without getting emotional, without letting my, my, my voice raise. Um, you know, I can still bring intensity and urgency to the operation. I mean, I, you could probably ask my kids the same thing. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really just being, being aware. But when I, when I have fallen short, it's, it's owning it, right? And being contrite, truly contrite, being humble, and uh, even in that regard, asking for forgiveness. Um, and because I didn't need to ask for forgiveness as far as the, the, the work culture was, was um, you know, concerned with it. But, uh, uh, but in, that, in that moment, I knew that I needed to um, just because I felt God, you know, I mean, God knows my past, God knows my ways, and uh, I had crossed the line. Yeah, he, he knows everything, of course, and how powerful of a witness that is for us to take that humble approach, even as men in our workplace, to say, hey, I, I need to confess something here and ask for your forgiveness. I've already confessed it before the Lord, but, you know, my words were wrong here or how I treated you here was wrong or, you know, something that I did, even that confession, that humility there, just how God glorifying that is. Uh, in a sense, like Christ gets so much glory because most men aren't doing that, right? It's like, oh, just sweep it under the rug, we'll move on. Uh, but I think it's something, too, that just being humble enough to say, look, this was wrong. Uh, more importantly, it was wrong uh, as a Christian man, and I need to confess that to you uh, and how how powerful that is. Everything that we do is what we're, we're getting at here. Everything that you do at your workplace or in your neighborhood with your family is a witness is an opportunity to advance the gospel, to create open doors. Uh, but let me ask that question uh, to the group here is, uh, talk to us about a time where there's, you, you've uh, specifically prayed about or been able to evangelize uh, because of you know, an open door that you created at work. So talk to us about uh, if that's happened for you, what that looked like, um, and what was that conversation like? I think we can uh, you know, steer conversations in, um, kind of gospel-oriented manners, even in a very secular environment. Um, and while it may not be legal for you or I to, um, you know, to, to share the gospel openly in front of a group of people, um, it, there might be open doors to kind of take it outside of the workplace. Um, you know, for me, I remember I had a student that I could tell was kind of like questioning and, and just kind of didn't really know a whole lot. I don't think it ever really had been told the gospel. Um, so I started out with just, hey, let's go play around a golf. I knew he was a golfer. I'm a golfer. It was like, okay, let's go play around, and then um, let's go out to dinner afterwards. And so that kind of provided an environment where I could share openly and, uh, you know, and, and basically share the whole gospel uh, with him. Um, and it was all started with the relationships that, that I had built with students over, you know, over the period of several years. I think, it, you know, it's starting from that place of relationship is, is a good, good way to, to go about it. And then it makes it a lot more, a lot easier, I guess, to kind of take the next step. 
And, and I think based on that, the relationships are what God's given you. He's put those people in your sphere of influence. There's a reason for that. When you're, when you're in business, you see people fly in from everywhere, Chicago, Boston, everywhere they're flying in. It's almost like God is shooting that arrow right into your zone for a brief time and then shooting them back. And you've got to send them back with something that God wants you to send them back with besides great engineering or you know, great product. It's not just about that. And so when you have time, when you have time to, to build a relationship with a client or a customer or a student in this case, um, take the advantage of that. When I go to lunch with clients or dinners, I always pray openly. And I pray to myself. I don't want to be completely out of line with them. So I'll put my head down and I'll pray. And I wait for the reaction. And part of my prayer is always, Lord, let's don't make this about business. Let's discuss your words somehow, soften their hearts and let them be able to open up about that. And you wouldn't believe the reaction you get when you deal with the Silicon Valley types that I deal with and all the folks on the East Coast that they don't usually see anyone pray. And they ask a question, and I believe that's God prompting their heart to ask that question. Then you get to talk about your testimony. You get to talk about who you are, what God did in your life. You get to show them those things. I like to sprinkle that with some facts as well. So there's some things that we can, you know, point to that it's not just some blind faith. You know, we're not Mormons, so we're not just repeating lines, but God's changed my life, and here's how I know it's real. But again, it's this relationship. See, when you're working with somebody for weeks and months on email and on projects, you're in the trenches with them in a lighter way, you know, in a less severe way than, than war, and they trust you. There's a real relationship there. Use those relationships. You wouldn't believe how many executives who wanted nothing to do with God three to four years later are now going to church that I know or telling me about what they're reading and they're reading the Bible that I gave them or something like that that they would have never read. You don't know where that'll lead, but it's relationships. And God puts those in your life. Let's use those. Those relationships are important. I had a gentleman come up to me, had run for city council, didn't get elected, but he said, I like you, I like your policies, I, wanna, I want you to help me, I'd like to get elected next time. And we started talking. I assumed he was a believer because he was, said, I like your values. Uh, and uh, he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm studying to be a Jew. And uh, I said, really? And uh, so what are you studying? I, I said, you're studying the Torah, the, 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 the Psalms, the prophets. What are you, what are you doing? Said, well, I'm meeting with this group of people, uh, and we read books, but we don't read scripture, he said. So I had the opportunity to share the prophecies about Jesus' coming. I said, you need to read Isaiah 53, and then let's talk about it. I said, never, he said, never heard of it. No one ever talked about it. So I think as Christian men, we need to keep our ears tuned Whenever anybody says anything that, that, is, that is spiritual, that suggests depression, that d d suggests fear, that suggests anxiety, we need to take the opportunity to talk about what, what does God say about fear, anxiety, pride, ev envy, covetousness, the things that are hidden in men's hearts that we don't see on the outside. And I think as believers, we need to ask God to give us the opportunity to be with those people, to, to know what to say and when to say and how to say it. And, uh, and that helps us as well, fight temptation, uh, be prepared to be the ambassadors for Christ, the, 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 the ministers of reconciliation that we're called to be. And, uh, and we need God's help to do it. We can't do it just because we attend church or we memorize scripture or we attend breakfast. We have to really get on our face before God and say, God, help me do that. And, and he will. And I found that he will if you ask him. And, and, uh, and it's a blessing to others and an encouragement to, to us. Just on that same vein, and I'll try to be quick, Pastor Kellen, but, you know, the reality is, is for those of us that are still going to work five days a week, right, which is probably the vast majority of us in here, you spend more time interfacing with those people 
that you see at work every day than you do your wives, your kids, or anybody else in, in this community down here. You know, and so I think it's important, and I'm going to encourage you to keep that in mind. I try to have a very familial type environment. I've, been, I've moved 13 times in three and a half decades, and every building I've ever worked in, I've been very intentional about trying to build bridges of dialogue, be intentional, share first, right? So that way they'll, they'll, they'll build trust and want to open up a little bit about who they are, because I call them parking lot conversations. You know, I mean, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to proselytize in the building but I'm gonna be very transparent about who I am. And then as I'm walking to the park, if they're playing softball, I'm driving over, I'm gonna play softball with them. You know, if they've got something, I've played disc golf with employees, I've been all over the place. If I know that employees are gathering, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna show up because it, first of all, from a business perspective, it helps to kind of build bridges there and it, it builds camaraderie. But from a Christian perspective, it gives me opportunities for them to know me just as a human being. These people are all image bearers, right? They're all image bearers of God. That's, I, I had a, a, a payroll clerk. She was, she was a lesbian. You know, after about three months of working with her, she kind of pulled me aside. She said, James, I was, I'm really surprised. Uh, um, I, I, I expect you to be different. And I said, well, why would you expect me to be different? She said, well, I know you're a Christian. And I said, yeah. And she's like, well, my lifestyle. And I said, listen, I said, you're an image bearer of God. I said, and I respect the fact that you are just, you're an image bearer of God. And I, and I said, our lifestyles may be different. I may not believe, you know, in a lot of things that you believe. I said, but I still respect you and I still care about you as an image bearer of God. And, um, you know, it's, and so having that, that mindset, when I, when I look at my team every day, you know, there are days I, I might talk to my wife in person less than an hour because of her schedule and my schedule, you know, so... Don't ever, don't just pass the people in the halls. If you're a believer and you want to be salt and light, you really have to look at those are all opportunities. You know, and just let God use you to plant the seed. Um, but but you, you are passing probably tens, twenties, hundreds of people, thousands in my case of people that are opportunities for you to, to be salt and light out in, in whatever community he puts you in. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point that I want to conclude with for all, for all of us just to think through is because uh, oftentimes we go to our job and again, it's just almost you put it in autopilot, right? You, Monday morning, you get up, you go to the job, you do your job, you come home and then you, get, you, you do your home thing. But when you think about God's sovereign plan and the fact that he's in the details of every single aspect of our life, uh, as Jim just alluded to, You've been placed in your job. If you're retired or you're, you're, you're post-career mode, you've been placed there for a reason. For that specific season and the people that you work with, that you interface with every single day have divinely been placed in your life. And so thinking about your job, not just here's a way for me to pay the bills, here's a way for me to you know spend my time throughout the week, but here is God that has placed me in this specific job to be an avenue for his glory and his honor. Right, there are people that are around there, thousands of souls that you get to interact with uh, throughout a week, months, time, whatever it is. But every single person that's walking the face of this earth, every single person needs an encounter with the gospel. Every person, right? You can't say that about anything else. You know, other things, it's like, all right, does that person like this or does that person like this or does that person like this? Every person needs an encounter with the gospel. 
and you've been placed with people, and it's not, look, you're not going to hit a home run every single time out. You're not going to go there and be like, all right, I'm going to share the gospel. That should be the goal. At the end of the day, we want to get to the gospel, but we just want to continue to move the ball down the field with every conversation, with every interaction, with every loving deed that we do uh, in understanding that uh, you're, you're a lampstand wherever you are, wherever God has divinely placed you uh, in, in understanding that and preparing that way. Every day that you go to work, praying for those opportunities, praying for sensitivity to be able to see people that, um, that God has placed in front of you and knowing, again, whatever's on the outer shell, the external that they're giving you, whether it be you know, lesbian or they, they're anti-God, God does work from the inside out, right? We can only see the outside, but he's doing work on the inside. So sometimes the people that are doing this the most are the ones that God is working on at that moment that are trying to fight against it, that they're, they're that close to salvation. And so continue to have that understanding that we as men need to stand firm. Right? We need to, to preach the truth and let God do the work. Right? God's going to do the work. It's not for us to self-manufacture. And so our jobs, our lives, our sphere of influence is all for Christ's glory. It's not for you, your happiness, your friendship, your bank account. It's for Christ's glory. And when we view it that way, then we prepare for it differently and we have a different intentionality when we, when we get to uh, our workplace. Um, so I hope that you were able to glean that out of these men uh, this morning. The other thing that I want to just mention is Look, what we just had here was our small group discussion, right? And um, all of us should be involved in this, right? You heard multiple of them say it, that you got to have other men that are in your life. Because guess what? When you get tucked away in a corner, you can easily convince yourself that what you're doing is God glorifying, and it may not be, right? Your conscience can deceive you and, and lead you to something that you think is God glorifying, but what you need is other men around you to be able to speak into your life, and then we need God's word. We need to be in prayer, and we need to be in fellowship. And so if you're not in a small group, I, I encourage you, implore you, and you need to be in a small group because this is where you can get opportunities like men like these that will be in your group that continue to share with what they're going through and they can encourage you and they can they can challenge you as well because the, the point of our Christian life, you're in Christ here this morning, is for us to be more like Christ and we need other men to be around. So MBS, Abide, Thrive, HFG, all of those, if you're not in a, a small group, I implore you to get in there and, and get a lot of what we did. This is just the tip of the iceberg, right? We could probably go for four hours uh, up here just kind of talking about how God is using us as his instruments uh, for his glory in our life and where we fall short. None of us are perfect up here. None of us are saying, like, this is how you should do it. The whole point of what I started with with the outset is, look, these are this, these men, this is their sphere of influence that they have. It, might, it, it should resonate with you from a general perspective, but you're going to take this and say, hmm, I see how this can apply to my specific job and then how I can be used for God's glory there. And so I hope that that's the case tonight or uh, today. Uh, but before I conclude in prayer, I would like you to give these men a hand up here because this isn't easy to, to do. And I so appreciate uh, my brothers up here uh, for doing this. So thank you for doing this. And I know there's a lot of other uh, great ways that God is using uh, all of you in your workplace. Uh, and if he's not, uh, or if you're not following Christ in your workplace and it's, it's different from when you show up at church, then this is a time where, you know, confess that and get around other men that can encourage you to do it because there's nothing better than to glorify God at your workplace and be used by him. Uh, and he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. So I pray that that would be uh, the, the, the goal here for you to walk away with that. Uh, we are going on 
a fellowship hike after this, so hopefully those conversations continue to happen if you're joining us there. Uh, if not, uh, as I always say, get some numbers of some guys here, get plugged into some groups and continue this conversation because we have to have it because there's a battlefield and a war out there uh, that we're all facing and we need each other to be able to glorify Christ uh, each and every day through this. So let me pray and then I'll have Elvis uh, come back up, I think with Jeremy and give you more details about the hike that we'll do. But I appreciate you all coming this morning and uh, it was great to be here with you all. But let's pray. God, we do uh, thank you for uh, giving us just great examples. First off, the example that we get with Christ on how we can be more like him through reading the gospels, through understanding uh, your word and seeing how we are, we are called to live in this life that is a challenge for all of us. Uh, but Lord, I just pray that this morning uh, is an encouragement and can be edifying to all of us here as we get ready to go back to our neighborhoods, our workplaces uh, this week, that we would see our jobs as a, a gift from you that you've given us that you want us to redeem for your glory, not for our own paychecks, not for our own status or titles or anything like that. But the jobs that we have, it wasn't self-manufactured by us, but it was given by you to be uh, for you to be glorified in that. And so I just pray that we would prepare better. We would seek to glorify you in all that we do at our jobs and that we would get other men around our lives that can speak into our lives, that can encourage us, that can uh, just help us to glorify you all the more. Uh, Lord, so we thank you again for this men's breakfast. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for all these men that came out. And Lord, I just pray that we would lock arms with one another as we go uh, seek to please you in everything that we do, knowing that uh, we need to be in fellowship. And I just pray that we would do that uh, starting this morning if, we're, if it's not happening already. And if it's happening already, Lord, I pray that we would do it all the more um, moving forward from today. So thank you again for these men. Thank you for uh, your word that continues to strengthen us, to guide us. And we thank you for the spirit that leads us to be more like Christ. We give you all the thanks and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.